0: And now, the Andy Greenwald podcast. Andy, Andy. Welcome to the Grantland Network. My name is Andy Greenwald. Very exciting day here in the New York studio because I am joined by the creator and showrunner of what was unquestionably the best show of summer 2015, Mr. Robot. Sam Esmail. Hello, friend. Hello. How are you, Thank you. Very well. Thanks for joining me from L.A. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I wish I was there in New York. Well, soon you will be for production of season two, which is very exciting. That's true. We're here to talk about the season finale of Mr. Robot, which uh, will air Wednesday night, September 2nd. And we're going to talk about the finale in detail. We're going to talk about the season as a whole. But I thought it best to discuss uh, something that actually happened last week. Um, one week ago, the same time, same day, I was sitting here hoping to talk to you when news broke that USA had decided to delay the broadcast of the finale out of respect to those affected by the horrible tragedy in Virginia. I was hoping you could talk me through that decision-making
1: process. Did you make that decision? When did you find out about it, Etc. cetera? Um, I didn't make the decision, although... Uh, I completely supported it. Um, but, yeah, when I heard the news that morning, um, you know, I, I, I personally, um, you know, I, it was obviously very tragic. It kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, it, it definitely uh, affected me and definitely made me think about the scene in question, which, you know, it did have uh, some similarities, but, um, you know, it was too close and too close to it that I felt airing it um, or showing it would would be insensitive. Um, and, you know, we talk, I talked to the network, I talked to the president. Um, we tried to figure out a solution, and um, I think that, and they made the decision, and rightfully so, I totally supported the decision to postpone it.
0: And just so we're clear, were any edits actually made to the version that I saw the night before the, the terrible tragedy and the, the version that aired last night on USA?
1: No, I mean, you know ultimately we we obviously wanted to pay respects to the to the uh, families and, and and the victims um and we didn't uh, and so in airing so in postponing it we you know we sort of addressed that but we also wanted to still respect the material and sort of keep it uh the way we initially intended yeah, that was my feeling about
0: it. I, I completely understood the decision to delay, but I think that an equal partner in that decision, to my mind, was the ability to respect the show and the art that you guys made to give right. it some breathing room. Because although, as you said, the scene in question, and this is the, the suicide of the the, um, the Evil Corp executive, right. that's in, in no way, it's similar in the details to what happened in Virginia last week, but there would be almost no way for it to be viewed as anything other than responsive.
1: Yeah. last week. Yeah, absolutely. I think if anybody were watching it, Last week, it, I, I, it just would—it would be too distracting, and um, yeah. So postponing it, I just thought it's probably the best best way to handle it. Leaving the, the the
0: details of that terrible tragedy behind for a moment, I did want to ask you about this uncanny ability that you've demonstrated to sort of hack into the zeitgeist here. This has happened on numerous occasions in the very short life of the show.
1: Yeah, and and I, you know, a lot of a lot of people always uh, uh, say that kind of as a compliment um and it's a, it, i always take it with mixed feelings um you know when we when we got picked up our, our our on the same day the sony hack happened and um i don't know these weird uh correlations with these r- negative events is not something that uh, i feel great about it's a, it's a little off-putting to say the least um but um but i what what i what i do love about the show what we do try and instill in the show is that it is about today it is you know sort of about um where we're at with technology in this post-internet era and and um and that that is intentional so on on the one hand it's it's good and then the other hand it's you know it feels it feels uh i don't know feels feels off-putting to be associated with these all these little all these
0: events absolutely. Although I have to say, even before the, the events last week, it was just uncanny watching the finale because you, you managed to, whether it was good timing or, or something, you got the Ashley Madison back yeah. mentioned there on the week that it, you know, the, the details actually started to emerge and the episode
1: is overrun with images of, of global financial chaos. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that's kind of been happening too.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, wow. Especially last week, because I think the Dow had crashed on monday or 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 maybe the the previous friday it it's it's strange um and again maybe it is because we write so close to the line of what's going on right now what's current Right. right now um which is which is what we want um but, um, but yeah, it's... I, I mean, obviously, I'm not a soothsayer. I'm not a fortune teller. I don't pretend to be. But um, it's crazy that the, the details uh, overlap so much. I don't, do you want to just do a test, like Canary in a Coal Mine, and write about a podcaster winning the lottery or something? <laughs> and then just see? Well, it's funny, because I, uh, I think, you know, somebody suggested maybe I just write about World Peace in one episode, and <laughs> Elliot and uh, Terrell go skipping down Fifth Ave, and... Uh, World yes. ce- Celebratory Parade, you know?
0: No, they leap and high-five, and then you freeze-frame. <laughs>
1: freeze-frame. you got to freeze-frame it. And then, and, then, and then you put Len Steal My Sunshine over it. And first
0: of all, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of what happens in the world, that just sounds like a terrific hour of television. Um, let's uh, Leaving your, your soothsaying abilities aside for a minute, let's talk about the episode specifically last night. Sure. Um, the episode 9 ended in a very dramatic and cliffhanger type place. And I really appreciated that instead of picking up episode 10, where you left off in 9, you went all the way back to the beginning. You did a full rewind to a guy we now know as Lenny and, uh, and Krista. And Lenny, I don't believe we'd seen since the, the pilot. pilot. Is that yeah. correct?
1: No, that's correct.
0: Um, tell me about that decision to do that. When I, when I had Rami on the show, he did mention that there were no loose ends, that everything would be circling back. But I didn't even expect something this... I didn't expect that circle to be squared like that.
1: Right. Well, um, well, and actually, to talk about that is to really, to go to the end of the episode when he sure. opens that door. And, uh, you know, there was a, a intent there to like, you know, I, what I love is to give, it's to kind of instill an, a, an imagination with the audience of what that could be, you know, and there's these, all these possible scenarios. Yeah. Um, and, and we set up a kind of a big one in the very beginning, which is that Lenny um, may have some evidence and information that could really uh, track, you know, trap Elliot and um, and get him arrested. Um, so just to then now go back to the Lenny scene, um, we I wanted to sort of bring Christoph back around uh, as well. But I also there's this thing that I think people noticed about Elliot, which is, in, in you know, Atypical for a hero of a television show, which is that even though he does, he's intelligent and can hack and um, and does it really well and does it to great success most of the time. He also is a human being and fails a lot and yeah. um, and and leaves a lot of crumbs behind. And, and and in this case, the very first hack we basically see him in, aside from the run that that we saw sort of the uh, the, the you know the after effects of that, but the aftermath of that, but. Uh, but Lenny, we've seen from beginning to end. And right. he's even potentially going to get busted on that. Um, and it's just something for me to keep continually always grounding Elliot and not necessarily paint him as this like kind of um, huge, you know, over-the-top
0: over the hero. It also worked, I think, because it grounded the audience. Because the episode itself spirals into global chaos. Right. And you have um, Christian Slater saying... Um, talking about prophets and gods and so we actually begin with mere mortals which i appreciate these are the people who are watching this stuff on tv being like what the hell is going on yeah and 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 why should i be victimized this way and of course the irony being lenny has no problem victimizing people irl as the kids say
1: right (laughs) yeah it's you know look with a show like this it's very easy to get untethered it's very easy to go to go out into limbo um and and it's the, the way to keep grounding that. I mean, aside from Rami's sort of brilliant performance, I feel like I can make him do anything and he'll make it feel real and and empathetic and you'll mm-hmm. understand. But um, but just to also include the people in, in the world, you know, the, the people that aren't a- actually causing any right. of these events and seeing how they react, you know, how I, they react. I'm sure- I'm sure we'll talk about
0: Rami more later, but I was amazed that you clearly can just have him do anything at this point, including just screaming his lungs out in Times Square and he can sell it. And yeah. I feel like not every actor could do that. Not even a good actor. Not every good actor could do that. That's I mean, asking a lot.
1: I mean, um, this show would be hokey as if it weren't for Rami. I, I'm you knew telling that going that, in, right? right? <laughs> I, I, I 100% knew that. Um, I remember because when we auditioned uh, for Elliot, you know, we, we had maybe 100, I so saw maybe 100 guys and great good a lot of great actors and it wasn't working and i was like well okay well i this isn't great what i wrote is just not good because these are good actors and it's not i'm not buying it um and then rami i don't know what it is He he's obviously a phenomenal actor but there's just something about his energy and the way he looks and the way he talks um that just completely uh, i was like oh wow okay now now potentially i have a show did you we talked he and I talked about his audition. Can you give me the other half of that
0: story? Did you did you know right away? Because he felt like you played it cool or I think you you critiqued him for not knowing the lines or something. But yeah.
1: did you know? Yeah, I mean, I I knew like I had a feeling right away that this was right. I was I was really worried and nervous because I I literally was you know, I, we were auditioning a lot of people for over a, a, a long period of time and it, just nothing was clicking yeah. he was the first one that emotionally clicked for me but you know he had some ambivalence too you know he didn't because this was a tricky part so it was more like I think we were both feeling each other out so maybe we were both trying to play cool that, okay, that's a nicer way to put it um back to the finale was there ever a
0: question in your planning of the season that you were not actually going to go ahead with the hack or was that always where this was headed and where it was headed at this point in the show's life
1: yes um and that just came from uh i i know you've talked about this that, that initially this was written as a feature um and so if we're talking about featured uh terms uh, it, it, this would be the end of the first act, and it, it was really always was. okay. Yeah, it was always my intention for the hack to go through. By the, that was essentially the beginning of the second act, and really what the movie would have been about. Okay, we're going to put a pin in that. I have a lot of questions okay. about the specific page numbers and locations <laughs> of your script of this
0: script. But I, just a couple other points from okay. this episode before, so I don't lose them because okay, I know cool. people are probably their heads are spinning. They want to know these things. Um, you did not resolve uh, Chekhov's popcorn. And I think a lot of people thought that was coming, and and that, of course, being the gun that was slipped into the popcorn machine.
1: Well, that's another part of the mystery, isn't it? Uh, We don't know what happened to Terrell. That's right. And nor do we. We don't know at the beginning, and we don't know at the end of the episode. Right. But we do know that Elliot looks at the popcorn at the end of episode nine, and now Terrell is missing. We do know that. We do know that. (laughs) So we we received
0: that message as you intended. Yes. Okay. Um, Angela really got promoted quickly.
1: Is that fair to say? Well, I don't know if she got a promotion. She had a job in, in PR at a conglomerate. Okay. I would say a lot of my PR friends, I don't know if they would necessarily say promotion, but...
0: I guess what I mean is that she had access to the highest echelons of power right away.
1: Yes. You, you mean directly speaking to the CEO of the She's company. speaking
0: to the CEO. Well, she's, yeah. she's there in the room when... I, well, the, the guy who, who unfortunately kills himself is Beacons, right? Or Richard Beacons? Yeah, uh, James Pluff. James Pluff. The character's name is James Pluff. Yes. The actor's name is Richard Beacon? Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I better. This is a, this is a real insight into what I'm doing now yeah. because uh, the publicist gave me the actor's name and I just wrote that all the way through my recap, which I okay. now have time to change. Okay. So this is great. This is a little little how the sausage gets made stuff for <laughs> got our it, listeners. Got it. Uh, his name is. Say it again for me. James Pluff. The character's name. James Pluff. Yes. Pluff, as it oh, like uh, David Pluff from the Obama administration. There you go. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) Anyway, but she's in the room and he's giving this, you know, what's supposed to be a calming message to the markets, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, Is it fair to assume that there is more to her access than just she's a good hire and she got the recommendation from Terry Colby? Because Philip Price, who is the CEO, that is the character's name. I know that for a fact. Yes. The actor Uh, is
1: Michael Christopher. Michael Christopher. amazing.
0: He seems to know who she is, even if he doesn't come right out and say it. He does. So is it, am, I, am I going down the right path yeah. thinking there's a reason why she's there? Yes, there is a reason why she's there. Um, I was really happy to see Michael Christopher return in such a prominent role in this. He is so good at being so creepy and bad. Um, did you cast him knowing that this part would grow in prominence, or is this one of those examples of you liked what he did so much early on that the character be- would, it then
1: became more prominent in your telling of the story? no no uh, I knew he was going to grow in prominence um, and that was that was always the intent and he he's one of those guys I've been a, always a huge fan of and knowing knowing where the character in fact when I cast him initially he was in um, episode three right and he you know he didn't know when he was going to come back he he doesn't really come back until episode um, nine until he fires yeah yeah fires Tyrell. Um, so when he got that he like had a conversation with me, you know. Let's be honest here: am I on this show? Am I not on this show? And I'm like, no, no, no. You're going to be on the show. Maybe not this much. Maybe not a lot this season, but in coming seasons. And it's important. And you know, so we had a long conversation about that. But I'm glad he, I'm glad he took it.
0: Me too. We also got to see this time a glimpse of how the world has probably been watching Elliot talk to Mr. Robot, which is very disturbing. We saw right. him choke himself against the wall right. of a web cafe. Right. Does that mean we can assume that in the scene where Christian Slater is talking, or Mr. Robot, Christian Slater is talking to Terrell, that that is Elliot,
1: that Terrell thinks he's talking to Elliot? Correct. I know there's some confusion about that, but um, I'm hoping in this episode it'll sort of clear that up because, and you know, we're going to explore that more in the next season because um, um, clearly Elliot has been losing time and yes. and making decisions that he's sort of unconscious of. Um, and... and and we kind of see that in the in the last episode where basically his alter ego or this fractured personality he's created um, is making those decisions for him. And, and takes
0: over. And, and so takes over, everything yeah. we've seen him do that's active as opposed to being passive secretly like behind
1: him in a car, every time he's active bumping into someone, for example, that's Elliot doing That's it. Elliot. And if you look at that scene, um, we're, we were very careful if you watch that scene. I think people on Reddit actually pointed it out. Uh, you know, Elliot's not really—he's no one's really paying attention to him. Sort of like they like swap places, and Mr. Robot is going up to the counter, and there's not even a coffee cup for Elliot on the in the coffee shop there. So, so, so you were you were keeping track of it? Oh know, like yeah, absolutely. You knew? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, when and by the, the way, t- a lot of people knew. I mean, I I think we telegraphed that pretty uh, heavily, and it it was partly intentional, because I know that the scene in Nine, I really, that graveyard scene, I kind of, I wanted the audience to be a little ahead of Elliot, because I, I I didn't want it to be a gotcha moment, I wanted it to be an emotional moment, I wanted you to watch Elliot and see his reaction, and sort of be with him. I,
0: I, I love the way you say that because that's actually how it felt because since we we knew even if we didn't know right. when he arrives at the grave and he starts to sit down it's a tragedy it's a tragic moment because this figure who we now know is his emotional importance to Elliot isn't real I mean right. that's a real that's a real loss to the audience as well Yeah So when we when I say we I'm talking about um, you know uh, Chris Ryan and uh, on the Hollywood pro respect his podcast with me and many other commentators and literally all of reddit when we were saying back in episode three or four God, this is a little fight clubby like they've never they're not looking at each other he's always in the background you're okay with that you knew uh, so, that we'd be saying that all, right away oh
1: yeah in fact i gotta also say the the darlene twist i thought people were gonna get too I mean, you know, it's weird. We were not obsessively hiding it. So even when... In, I remember episode two, people were kind of annoyed by her. Why is she breaking in? Why There's something familiar about this relationship. And, yes. And I was like, okay, well, they're going to eventually figure it out. Um, at least figure out that they knew each other. Um, but no, 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 no. That one, people were, sh- were definitely shocked by. That was a shocking one because I think the way you
0: played it, but also... I what I liked about it and the reason why I think I was misdirected is because when she shows up in his apartment and takes a shower and is very flagrant, you know, for herself around him, I'm like, Oh, she's a manic pixie dream girl. Right. You know what I mean? Like she's just she's that magical hacker girl who's just free with herself and falls in love with everybody. <laughs> right. And you know, I was fine with it because I liked the performance and right. I liked the show. But this you turns it on its head and all of a sudden her entire attitude and her whole character is deepened and richened and like and right. enriched and You know, it's when she looks at Elliot now,
1: it's not exasperation, it's sadness. Right. It's it's interesting because I think for a good twist to work, you kind of have to tell the audience. I mean, I remember when I was watching The Sixth Sense, I remember hearing this story about The Sixth Sense when uh, the famous line, you know, I see dead people. Yeah. uh, I think the producers really wanted to cut that because they thought the audience would get the twist if you oh, oh hmm. my god he's looking at Bruce we see you remember the opening of that movie you know okay you're going to start putting it together but yeah but you know most I, I don't I, I didn't know most people I knew, I knew didn't know that twist and it still worked but I think it works because they did tell us they they gave us the clues the clues were right there in front of us the whole time they didn't try and hide it I think the more the more writers or filmmakers trying to hide they're obsessively hiding something and then the twist comes and it comes totally out of left field it just you know it feels a little cheap
0: yeah you want it to be a discovery that you feel was earned you want exactly. to feel like you were taken along a journey not taken to a magic show that you didn't sign up for exactly, exactly. Um so- so then, I can extrapolate that a lot of the clues that I've referred to, and many, many others have referred to throughout the season, were very much intentional, like the the
1: planetary video game. Yes. Well, you know what's interesting about that, um, and I know I, I saw that, I heard that you caught the reference, um, but I thought maybe that was a little obvious, and so we actually, uh, we were actually k- kept thinking, of, okay, well, how do we make it less obvious? And we just put a little intergalactic on top of it. So then, so now we I got like a that. dual. DC Boy's reference,
0: too. <laughs> oh, that's good.
1: Um, but for those who don't know, Planetary is
0: a this comic book. It's a comic book, book yeah. Uh, Warren Ellis wrote it. It's a fantastic comic book. It's a great book, comic but book. But one, I, I, I'm going to spoil it, sorry. The, the, the main twist of that is that a character who is brought into an organization has amnesia and is revealed to be the actual founder of the organization. Right. Uh, which, you know, that kind of happened. That kind of happened. <laughs> um, the other one that people... This one this one I actually didn't have any any time for when people were like, whoa, Bro, he used "Where's my mind"? Like, Do you think he knows? And I was like, I'm pretty sure he knows. Yeah. he's playing with Fight Club there.
1: I I was really surprised at the amount of uh, there was some hostile like, wait a minute, you're not, you're it's so sacrilege, you're totally ri- ripping off. Fight And I'm just like, okay, but I'm I'm clearly honest. I'm open about. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not trying to slip where's my mind by you and say, oh, you know, this is, oh, of course this isn't fight. Like, obviously, the, that was our nod. That was our sort of acknowledgement that, yes, yes, we were inspired by Fight Club. Yeah, you're, and we, you're, we, you're, we make no apologies about that. Fight Club's a great movie. You're putting your cards on the table. Absolutely. Um,
0: let's go to the, uh, the post credit scene. Yeah. First of all, just the decision to do a post-credit scene, which is pretty cool. It's very uh, cinematic. Yeah. Uh, it's not done as much on TV these days. So did
1: you init- Did you just tell the network you want to do that? Um, well, it, it all kind of came, you know, a lot of these things come up organically. It's not like I, I sit and think, oh, what, what can we do differently in this episode? But um, what happened was I wanted to end the season on that coda. Like, you know, at, we had just seen F Society bring down Evil Corp. The plan went through. I didn't want it to just be like – I didn't want the audience to feel like, okay, well, they accomplished the goal. They took down the bad guys. That's it. It's done. It's yeah. done. Um, I knew yeah. that there was this moment that I wanted to show that actually, no, there are layers above all of this that so we we're not even aware of, that we haven't been privy to. And, um, and so I really wanted to end the season on that scene. But I felt it strange to not end it on Elliot. I mean, he's our emotional journey. He's our heartbeat. So I didn't know how to reconcile that because I also didn't think that scene belonged anywhere before, the, mm-hmm. you know, the ending of the episode. And then and then I realized, wait a minute, what I'm describing is a coda. That's that's what that scene is. It's a coda. Um, and so that and then it felt naturally. I was like, let's just put it at the end of the credits. And I wrote it that way. And I remember the network reading the script. You know, they, they came back to me. and They're like, you know, we don't really want. You know, to end the season not on Elliot, and I was like, "Well, wait a minute, guys! It's it's actually coming." You know, I wrote in the script post credits, yeah. and they must have not seen that, or they've never done that before. They've never mm-hmm. heard. It. They were like, "Oh, oh!" And then I could hear like the kind of wheels turning, and they were like. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, let's totally do that. It, uh, they've clearly, despite you mentioning them in
0: your script early on, the season early on, they've clearly never seen a Marvel Comics movie. <laughs> it was totally new to them.
1: No, no, no. I just think in reading this, no, I yeah, I, I just think they didn't see that I had re- Anyway,
0: yeah. They, so, I, I, in general, I am a huge fan of debaucherous mansions where rich people gather. <laughs> I'm so psyched that there's one here. I really am. I, I want My goal one day is to be able to enter one either probably as some sort of serving lad, but I feel like I want them to exist. I want <laughs> love that we're in one um bd wong is back as uh, as white rose um considering he already made one of the great cameos of recent tv history um can we safely assume that that was not just a one-off cameo
1: that this I, suggests future involvement in i mean the show? i look i would be stupid a bd wong is an amazing actor i'd be stupid yes. not to use him again um i'll just leave it at that
0: decisions and contracts and promises and all those things are things you probably cannot talk about on this moment
1: i cannot no but you would love to have him back i would i would yes i would be stupid not Uh, to have him back yeah from a creative perspective again without spoiling anything
0: because i don't want to be spoiled how would you characterize the relationship that we see between white rose and
1: philip price at the debaucherous rich person's mansion (laughs) um how would i characterize our relationship that's a good question um I think, uh, hmm, a little bit. You know what? I think I, here's a way I would say it that um, might send send people into theorizing or not. But I would characterize it as a as a, as a business relationship. Interesting.
0: Okay. Um, what is the question that you would like the show's many fans to be asking during the hiatus? Like obviously you've left them with questions that are obvious ones like who's knocking on the door Um, questions like the one I just asked you but even if it's a more theoretical big picture general question like we've seen this season the story there's a lot of story to go what what scraps can you give us for the few months the lonely months ahead
1: (laughs) here's what I'll say I I, I think I want people to want to know who Elliot is Um, to want to know his backstory his past his family his mom, you know, his relationship with Darlene before he, you know, before this break happened. Um, How F Society got, to I guess there's like a million questions, but there's also, there's like a weird little um, personal, it's like, uh, uh, mythology seems weird because we're talking about a human, we're talking about a person's life, but that's really what it is. It's, we don't really know much about Elliot's past or his, um, or uh, sort of, what you know, we kind of know you know his fa- about his father's death and, um, and 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 sort of the the tension around that, but we don't know much since then. You know, we don't know why he started seeing Krista in the first place, and so so I guess knowing, wanting to know more about Elliot, I, I think is the big question that people should should have well, going into I, the next season.
0: I think, and I, I wrote this in the in my recap of the of the of the episode, but not it, it, for me the greatest trick that you pulled this season wasn't the big reveal of of Mister Robot. It was basically Trojan horsing a very specific broken family drama into a show that was also about much larger global things. And I I think that was very well done. And I also think it's very smart because that ultimately is what keeps people watching a TV show. Because as you said at the beginning, it's very easy to go into orbit with big ideas.
1: Yes. Um, Honestly, it's always about... that emotional journey Elliot's emotional I love that you call it a family drama because it, it, a, a lot of that ha- I mean that is sort of what we're setting the stage up for, for the next season it's weird because I couldn't talk about what the show is about the whole season because Great. again in feature filmmaking terms you know and I know we're going to get to that but this is what the show's about what we're about to get to next season and it's really that uh, Elliot and his, his sort of how he came to be how he came to have this break so let's, talk, let's talk about this movie thing. Let's, Go this ahead. is the,
0: the the origin story as I've been telling it, and you can just tell me the real version, because the version that I okay. heard was that you, you were writing a film script and you kept writing it and you didn't stop writing it, and at a certain point it was way too many pages to be a traditional movie without losing stuff, and someone, whether it was you or people of anonymous content, nudged you towards TV, and this could be a TV show. Is is that right? What was the impetus to even begin writing
1: that script, and when did it happen? Well, I always wanted to write a sh- uh, you know a movie about... Uh, uh, hackers um, and and I had just done my first feature and I wanted something to follow. To Which fo- we should do is a, a plug for it. it's called Comet. Comet it's on, it's Netflix on Netflix now. Netflix. I really recommend it. Thank you. Um, and I wanted to write another feature to kind of follow that up uh, and direct and um, and you know I was frustrated that hackers were. I mean, I gotta just say, terribly portrayed in, in, in everything. I, I, I really, it was so frustrating because I didn't understand why. It felt so simple to me. And, um, and I'm not trying to be arrogant about it, but it's just like, do actually portray what actually happens. Well, let me stop you there, because I feel like from a layman's perspective or a
0: Luddite's perspective, what they actually do is so obscure, because it seems like, right. and I'm sure this is the, especially, I don't want to cast myself in the 50-year-old Hollywood executive role, but I'll <laughs> take it. Um, people, what's interesting about people uh, typing on their computers. Like, where is the drama in people who are hammering on keyboards? Well, and I'll tell
1: you, it's, it's the people. Um, and it, and right. that's always the case. It's not, it's not something new about computers and, and action films and whatever superhero film. You can make it about the set pieces as much as you want, but if we don't care, I mean, this is like I'm not saying anything new. If you don't care about the person going into that battle, then the the set pieces are going to feel meaningless. Um, and it's just the same thing with uh, people typing on keyboards. Like um, we, we care about that person. We're going to. I know no one, no one. I barely understand the server farm scene in the pilot. But you understand it because you feel... You, you understand it emotionally because you're with Elliot. And you sort of see the highs and lows of it through Elliot.
0: If, if you reduce technical jargon to um, its base, which is he wants something, can he get the thing... I mean, it reminds me of how uh, I, when I've heard people who've written for medical dramas on TV, they are themselves, sorry, spoiler alert, they are not actually medical doctors. <laughs> right. So they often just write, like, science, 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 science. Right. And then they have someone exactly. come on set and say, well, here when you wrote science, you probably meant a myocardial infarction, whatever. <laughs> but 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 it's people wanting things is the base of all drama.
1: Absolutely. And then, by the way, like, it goes for medical dramas and... Um, and uh, lawyer procedurals, it, you know, I don't understand any of that. I don't know. I don't think most people do, but they right. still they still follow it. They still understand. They still get the stakes of it. Um, it. Imagine if you watched the medical drama where what they were doing was completely ridiculous. I, I, I don't then you wouldn't buy it. I mean, even if you didn't understand medical jargon, you would you know, you would smell the sort of phoniness of it. So, so
0: to you then, what what was the aspect of hackers' people, not hackers, the terrible movie that you correctly lampooned <laughs> during the season? Right. What was it about that culture
1: that interested you most? It, the the sort of the psychology of uh, specifically with the hacking, the psychology of um, of of people in the hacker culture. You know, they have this very sort of and I, I don't. I wouldn't like sometimes naive, but I would just say a very aggressive anti. Corporate and non conformist, but it speaks to that, like, you know, Holden Caulfield kid inside all of us i think from yeah. back when we we're teenagers um but they all but but in addition to that they 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 are shy around people they uh, they do have social anxiety and I, you know look i'm not i don't want to generalize because this is the people that i grew up with the the hackers and the, and the people just in tech in general that i grew up with and i just thought those people were interesting um i remember seeing a documentary of on the pirate bay guys and uh, it's a great documentary it's called afk um, it's actually called tpb the pirate bay afk and um those guys uh, again just fascinating people and that's you know the, the, you know using those sort of personalities and and, and building characters out of that and, and 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 using technology and by the way there is a lot of power that they have um um and they're not all powerful which is again something i think uh, a lot of movies and television shows get wrong about hacking um and that's sort of where it it gets into sort of the ridiculous zone but um they do have a lot of power and to just show that authentically and represent that authentically i thought would be fascinating and obviously um of our time um but so uh, so just going we went way off tangent but like um so just going back to uh what so writing the feature and um I started, because I. Bu- this has been bubbling up for maybe 15 years that I wanted to write this, so I just started, I mean, I wrote a load, and I knew, look, knowing that that was, my 30-minute mark was, you know how in the Matrix, okay, so what is the Matrix, right? That was the big question that they mm-hmm. asked you, and that was but what what i remember what what i thought was cool about that was you got that answer 30 minutes into the movie and then the movie was about that answer and then they kind of got into that world so it was like okay well here's this character who is mr robot who's this guy that's drawing him? and then you find out 30 minutes in oh that's him and he's his personality started to fracture and then i wanted to make the movie about that well what 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 would you do, or what would Elliot do once he starts becoming real? You know, once he starts realizing this disorder, this, ex- you know, it's pretty um, extreme disorder that he has. um and then I, I wanted the story to be about that. So, did that actually happen on page thirty
0: of the screenplay, or did that happen on page seven hundred of the
1: screenplay? No, I never like, got to. No, I got to. I, I, I'll tell you, I got to. I got to about ninety. I'd say like in the eighties, but high eighties, like close to ninety. And I was like, wow, I'm not even close to that, and I'm not making that the ending. Twist of the like, I had so like I wanted that story, the story to be about this sort of internal conflict with Elliot, and um, and I think I started writing Darlene around page ninety because I Darlene was kind of in in the beginning a little bit, uh, you know, which is basically in the pilot where she had like maybe one scene or two scenes, but then I started writing that scene in the in in the where she breaks into his apartment, yeah, and then I'm like, and that's when I kind of came up with the idea about her being his sister. And that's when I was like, okay, this can't be a feat because now that's a whole other thing. And then, and then Terrell, and then, uh, the characters just sort of like made it go longer and longer. And so uh, I, it wasn't anonymous, although anonymous had, had just done True Detective and they were like, dude, TVs. That,
0: and you're, are they your management? Is that the relationship yeah, to them? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: But they also produce, uh, yeah. they produce a show and they produce my movie. Um, so yeah, Golan was just, you know, he was very high on television, um, and True Detective, um, uh, you know came out and it was to- totally exciting and interesting, so i that's so I decided to kind of shift gears and turn it into a show
0: when you think about the story you had for the movie then um, versus what we 've seen, what is can you give me a sense of the percentage so how much How many seasons of story did you think that you had just in terms of the research that you had done for the movie versus what you had intended to say
1: well I didn't think I had that much. I thought maybe a miniseries, but I I wound up because I wound up writing maybe three episodes, um, and then I was like, wow, I'm still not even at the twelve page mark, and I just realized maybe I'm just being incredibly long winded, and maybe I should cut all this down. I I was being incredi- incredibly incredibly long winded, <laughs> but that that that's without a, uh, without a doubt. But I do remember feeling like I never want to drag anything out because I do I do think. There's a tendency to, especially if a show works, you want to do more episodes and go as long as you can. And
0: That, that is the traditional way the TV works I, where if you I, find something that's functioning and people are into then you just you stretch you stretch as long as you can.
1: So I am, I am, I'm the opposite of that. I am in really? a, I'm in a rush to get to the ending. I'm, I'm totally like I, I, I know what the ending is um, it's still the ending from the feature that I had in mind because I think it's cool and I think it works and I think it, it's going to complete Elliot's journey and we're building towards that and I never want to drag that out. But I have to say, so this is something that's fascinated me about the the, 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 the series.
0: Traditionally, having something locked in as an endgame is problematic for serialized, long-form television storytelling. Because one of the, you know, and I'm sure you've experienced this in production, one of the joys of TV is that you can change and you can write to an actor and you can bring in characters and take them out and ad- make, adjust on the fly. And i found that, you know when i talk to traditional like have been doing it for decades long uh, careers tv people they're like the worst thing you can do is lock in the ending however we're moving to a different era in tv with more finite storytelling and more a t- storytelling that isn't even a question those were two statements but i think within those two statements you can divine where i'm going because yeah. i'm curious about your flexibility versus your your commitment to the ending that you already have in mind
1: well there is definitely a lot of flexibility along the way um the 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 where i get rigid i guess if you want to uh if you want to say that is that i'd never want to deviate from elliot's journey um and i'd never want to deviate from building towards that ending i think that's what that's what gives the show focus i mean we talked about going out into space and not and being untethered that's the you know for me it's keeping it on track is what I mean if we if we cuz I mean we could do a million and one things we could do a million and one reveals and twists every season but I think that's when that's when the show starts to get ridiculous um so for me it's it's the fo- it's the end game is what's keeping us on track and keeping us focused and I don't know I know I ge- I keep getting told that that's the wrong way to do this and I've kind of just said you know what this is this is what we're doing and i guess it's just blind confidence or stupid confidence i mean i remember someone asked me yesterday you know i think the guy who played uh uh fernando vera elliot Villar is a brilliant actor I, I don't i don't know if he's done anything before um i had not known him but when he came in the audition he was just amazing and i think he created a really fascinating character with uh vera um and and we use him for Two episodes and then he's gone. And someone asked me, you know, he's such an amazing character. Well, why didn't you continue to write for him? And I think part of it is also like, I will find the next great character. I don't know. <laughs> like we we want to stay on track. We want to stay focused. And there's going to be great things along the way. But that doesn't necessarily mean we always need to de- sort of deviate from our path and just kind of run that into the ground. I mean, I don't know why that's a plus either. You know what I mean? Let's you know let's stay on track. I think what's
0: so striking is that you break a dozen rules in the pilot alone you know and I feel like that was exhilarating In just to see I mean voiceover voiceover often doesn't really work um, setting a show embedding a show in in the head of a character in the head of a disturbed character these are things that just traditionally right. aren't done and you know I wrote about this like We were in Tony Soprano's orbit or Walter White's orbit, but we weren't literally in their heads. so that we weren't, you know, so that what we were seeing was entirely subjective and we weren't sure if we could trust it. And yet you pushed ahead and did those things in the pilot
1: and it's paid off. Right. Uh, And and I, you know, um, I I, I hate. Movies and TV shows that give VO a bad name because I think it's a great tool and it's used to great effect. I mean, my, one of my favorite movies is Clockwork Orange and Taxi Driver, and mm-hmm. uh, I can't Im- and Goodfellas. I can't imagine those movies without VO. Um, and, um, I, I, and yeah, that was a, that was actually one of the big things that I think people pushed back on with the with, with the script is that there was a ton of VO. But there's something about an intimate relationship you get to have with Elliot that you could not have if you just if you just had scenes with dialogue. You know what I mean? He talks to us. He talks he literally. To, yeah, talks to exactly. Us. And and that there's an engagement there. I mean, mystery. I think is is a really good way to engage audiences because it's it's you can stop when you finish the episode. You can go online. You can figure, or you don't have to go online. You can talk to your friends. You can come up with scenarios. Of what is that answer? What's well, what, you know, what's behind the curtain? But. Um, but this vo, this breaking of the fourth wall, but in a specific way that we're doing it, it sort of kind of questions: Are we real to Ellie? I mean, we're certainly. I mean, are, is he really talking to us? I mean, it's I, it's, I, it's it's crazy. It's a different I, level. I, I'm of engagement. talking to a screen right now. I don't <laughs> even know if you're real. <laughs> Who, who's what's real?
0: And uh, I mean, we, let, if, let, if let, if let's save think that for the next it. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we got to stay focused. Um, how did this show end up on USA? I, I know this has become one of the major storylines of the show's success because it's such a deviation from the sort of blue skies programming that they were known for. When you and Anonymous took the show, I assume you took more than one meeting, um, what was it about what USA offered that made the most sense? And, and how did you even know that they would be at, allow you to have the kind of creative freedom that you seem to have had?
1: Um, well, that, well, actually that kind of answers the question it was that they completely uh were passionate about the script and wanted to be creatively 100% supportive of it. I mean, I pitched them the whole first season. They knew what I was going to do, which, yeah. which is pretty crazy to do, um, because it wasn't something that I think um, a lot of television, let alone in the USA, but a lot of television shows uh, were doing. Um, I mean, we were pressing on the gas pedal, and we were just basically not letting go. We weren't, we weren't trying to slow down at all, and, um, and they never, they didn't balk. They loved it. They embraced it, and they wanted to make it. Um, they didn't want to develop. It wasn't like about getting into a development deal and spending two years trying to hunt. like they. They really liked what um, what I wrote, and they 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 embraced the vision of of what I, where I wanted to go in the first season. I also pitched them, you know, a little bit of season two. Um, that to me is what is the reason why we went with USA. I mean, I, I, and also I think it, it's great because there there's a, you know. I felt like USA wanted something. Like that. I mean, that was the yes. other part. It was, uh, it's knowing that they actually want this. Like they they need this to to a certain extent. And I, you know, I think it was just it was just symbiotic. You know,
0: in, in that it reminds me of you know the reason why amc had mad men and breaking bad is because they they were willing to take a chance yeah Uh, any other network could have had those shows and some of them did but they weren't in a position where they felt they didn't have anything to lose they wanted to go in a new direction they wanted to establish something and 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 that meant investing in the best material and trusting it which i think can be hard to do when you're coming at it from a different position from a more established position in a certain field
1: but i think that's when real like uh I mean, really amazing stuff can happen. Really amazing work can happen when both sides are in a point where they're like, you know what? Let's take a huge risk. Let's yeah. take a huge swing here and see what
0: happens, you know? So now that I have you here, let me ask you the question that I've been asking on the Hollywood Perspectives podcast all year. I felt like either the network gave you zero notes or you gave zero f- <laughs> Which, which which is correct.
1: <laughs> no, they gave notes and uh, a lot of good notes. Um, uh I definitely did not uh, I, I, I definitely uh, uh, res- they really loved the, uh, every script they honestly I mean I think the one script everyone had a little bit of a problem with was the d- dream episode which I knew I actually knew the audience that was probably going to be the most polarizing right. episode um, which is why I told Rami I think Rami told you this is that if they if we can get them through the fourth episode i th- i think we'll be okay um, cuz that'll freak a lot of people out and they'll just bail uh, you know people who who just aren't into any <laughs> sort of abstract uh storytelling but um uh but no they 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 i mean i'm telling you they were really support they if they enjoyed it like they just they you know they were into it i mean there were times where there was a temptation i would say to end the season on the big re- on the Mr. Robot reveal, mm-hmm. even and I was like, not only are we not going to end the season on the mr robot i 'm not even going to end the episode of nine yeah. on the Mr Robot reveal because that 's not the important thing about this show, and if we say that we 're telling the audience something that's just that 's just going to feel you, inauthentic yeah you
0: 're communicating if you do that that this is a, 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 it could be a gotcha show, yeah, and it also is training the audience to expect that like in you know, Pavlovian way that. In the, it's, that's going to write you into a corner because then season two, season three, episode nine. What are we going to get here? Exactly, and that's too much pressure to. to and
1: succeed. you know, every time I made an argument like that, they all, they always you know they, to their credit, they've they've never balked. They've never really they they you know we would have a good good conversation about it, and then they would uh, we would and it would sometimes happen the other way. You know, they'd bring up a really good note, and especially episode four, the dream sequence is actually a lot longer than that. Yeah, it, it is now, and I think they were right in saying, okay, let's let's at least focus it, you know. <laughs> let's rate it in a little bit. Let's not do 40 minutes. <laughs> um, I, I, a
0: couple more things to get through. I appreciate you giving me this much time. Um, the show has one of the most distinct and striking visual looks, visual styles of anything on television right now, and it did so immediately. And I know that, um, I'm going to say his name wrong, Niels Oplev did the the pilot. You yourself are a writer and a director, and you directed many of the episodes, including the finale. Um, I guess two-part question, obviously, was the first one isn't a question, because obviously it was important to you to maintain a certain visual aesthetic. The more important question is, how did you enforce that because this is your first time as a showrunner, first time working in TV. And traditionally, um, as you well know, TV shows, you know, it's catch as catch can. So communicating a certain style for the way you want shots to be lined up, there's there's often not enough time for that or to communicate that properly to the very talented guest directors that will come onto the show. Somehow you were able to do that. So you had, you know, Jim McKay and, and many other people working on the show who were great. But the show felt consistent throughout, which is, I think,
1: a pretty unique achievement. Thank you. Um, I mean, it was basically I I made it a point to be on set every day. And I wasn't on set every day. But, um, you know, look, we have interesting framing. We have very specific framing. Um, It was very important for me to direct the second episode, which I was told by many showrunners... Don't direct the second episode because that year, you know you, you can direct the finale, but the second episode that's way too early to, to get in the director's chair. But I knew I was going to be on set every day anyway because you know a lot of people told me this is a writer's medium, and I never looked at it like that. Right. For me, it's a filmmaker's medium. Um, I don't know why we have to abandon the the film. It it, it sh- both should work in tandem. Isn't that when you get the best uh, v- visual and and story experience? So um, so. Because of our framing, because of our compositions, because of the sort of rules we have in terms of when we can move the camera and when and when we can 't uh, I did kind of have to police a lot of the uh episodes- and it wasn 't to anyone's you know it wasn 't to anyone 's discredit they they were just used to shooting you know television shows a certain way, and we weren 't doing that so mm-hmm. um so yeah, it was just it was just a matter of kind of belaboring it throughout the whole season like
0: I also want to say thank you to USA, to Comcast, Shineheart Wig Company, whatever company <laughs> at the top of the food chain did this, but you got to shoot in New York. You didn't uh, uh, shoot in Vancouver yeah. or Toronto. Yeah. and. It is one of the greatest um, visual explorations of New York I can remember seeing it. Oh, does not thanks. look like the New York we see often on TV, and I love it. and as a, na- as a native who lives here, I love seeing it through literally through elliot 's eyes with the, the steely grays and the the, the the sharp angles and the
1: imposing facades it 's really something thank you that was incredibly important to us and, um, and, um, and I remember having the conversation about shooting in Toronto and they 're like you know you can we 'll just go there for a week and shoot and it was just, no, 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 we're not shooting it like that. And I, I, knew, I knew what everyone was thinking is those sort of cliche images of New York, uh, those, you know, those helicopter shots. And, uh, and it, when, when we built the lookbook and showed them exactly what, how we wanted to shoot New York, they, they kind of got it and they, and they supported us uh, uh, actually shooting there. I wanted to ask you
0: about the influence of 90s culture in the show. Um, Pulp fiction plays a role. We've gone back to Elliot's childhood, which led me to have a theory the other week that maybe Christian Slater is playing Christian Slater because Elliot has seen True Romance and (laughs) pump up the volume so many times that he is not envisioning his real father, but in fact, a beloved actor (laughs) from the period. (laughs) Um, Was there specific... I mean, feel free to answer that, yay or nay, but in addition to that... Am I I right in, in not just me, but others drawing out that influence of of 90s cinema in the show? And what is it about art from the 90s that influenced you other than, you know, our respective ages? What was it about that that maybe has gone out of the culture that you felt was important to put back into the
1: culture? Um, I think... Tarantino, did you read the uh, Vulture interview? Yes, with Lane Brown and Vulture last week. Right, and um, it was a very interesting interview. Um, He has a very high opinion of TV critics, so I was (laughs) especially into it. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he said something about that the last decade of great films were the 90s and I remember thinking about that because I gotta say I mean not that there hasn't been great films since then uh, obviously there has been but there is something I mean it's the way I think people, a lot of people also feel about the 70s me included um there is just something about original, great, classic, uh, inventive, creative filmmaking that came out of the 90s that really inspired me to, to make movies, um, and especially those paranoid thrillers in the late 90s. Usual Suspects, Sixth Sense, Seven, uh, The Game, Fight Club. You know, the, the I don't see those type of movies anymore. Um, they were dark and subversive and entertaining and... Um, and, um, and yeah, that 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 was definitely a part of the reason why I wanted That That was a huge influence in making this show because, they're, they're, you know, I saw The Gift the other day. Did you see this movie, The Gift? The Sam
0: Raimi movie? Or no, no, the, no, the new the, new, the, new the, the Gift the that new everyone's gift. talking about. Yeah. Uh, Chris saw uh, Joel Edgerton's movie. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it was great. I've it's not seen really it. It's
1: really good. And you know what, what was weird about the experience was I remember feeling like, wow, I don't know what's going to happen next. I have no idea where they're going to go next. Um, and I remember leaving that and thinking, why is this an unusual experience at the movies? Because yeah. I, I honestly feel like when I go to the movies nowadays, I kind of know what's going to happen next. The, mm-hmm. the vortex is going to open and the aliens are going to come down. And, the city's going to get destroyed. Yes, and a good guy will win. Um, and it, it, it just made me... It, uh, I mean, I think that that's what i wanted in mr robot i don't i wanted that thrill of not knowing where what's going to happen next and then being surprised and and, and, in in a good way you know so because sometimes that could be bad too but at least having the kind of like kind of that spirit that, that that those 90s films i thought had
0: you also clearly are in touch with um, 2010's culture in that you, you, you knew, if, if you hit it right, the kind of fan reaction and deep dives and you know, obsession that, that TV shows yeah. can create these days. Well, that's and, what
1: and I did, yeah.
0: So you, you are that fan
1: yourself, to a certain things. extent, um, I'm not. I'm, I'm not huge in writing my own theories, but I did. I, I would devour lots of other theories and uh, from, from re- what sorts of things? Like,
0: were you, were you a Lost
1: guy? I was a huge things? Lost guy. I, you know what I did mo- more than just going online though. I would just talk about it with my friends yeah. constantly. That was fun. That was amazing. That that is maybe the sort of level of engagement I want from a movie or a television it, show. It, this is what I
0: wrote in my piece. That above everything else, the thing that makes me happiest about your show is that I feel like people were hungry for a communal experience. Again yeah. Because we've started, to, we have so many choices now, and you know, with the binge model, we can just go, we can lock ourselves and just in our rooms and watch our shows. But your show, because of the way it's structured, because of the content, because of the nowness, right? It, you have to watch it live, and then you have to talk about it. And that's a really fun. That's one thing that TV can do. Uh, at this point in our history that that other mediums can 't quite compete with, and that 's thrilling it 's really fun yeah um do you participate do, have you gone? have you clicked onto Reddit? Have you gone on any
1: deep dives uh, on mister on Rilla? your own show uh, I, but, you know i really don 't have a lot of time to do it as much as I used to do with lost, but um I definitely will check it out and sometimes i 'll even write a little bit no uh, yeah yeah not not um not pretending to not be me i oh you I, are you yeah yeah, yeah yeah, I am me. Uh, what is the craziest
0: theory that you have read? And potentially, feel free to either debunk it or it's already been debunked <laughs> by the
1: end of the season. But I think there was a theory. What was the theory? Uh, the craziest one. That's a good question. Um, God, uh, I would say. Um, I, I mean, the the, the uh, hmm. I have to think. I don't know, Andy. I have to think about that.
0: They're they're all equally sane. Maybe is what you're saying. Yeah, they're all equally sane. Um, last last couple things here. When did you tell Christian that he who he was or who he wasn't? Did he know going in? He knew going
1: in, um, and he was obviously <laughs> worried about the second season. Um, That's what I was going. That was my follow up. Yeah, and I and I told him, <clears throat> look, the show's about this. The show uh, is, is about. Elliot coming to terms with the fact that he has this uh, disorder and, and his realization of that. And it's a very real disorder. And, you know, we have a psychologist as a consultant um, hmm. uh, on our staff that we, we we talk about the realities of this condition all the time. So for me, it's it's this inner conflict that Elliot's going to have with Mr. Robot, with his alter ego, that's going to be sort of the, the heart of the story in the next season's um, and so I explained all of that in our first meeting, he was psyched and he was like awesome. And he, he came on board and then, um, be- right before we shot episode nine, um, he, pulled me aside and asked me again so you know is this it for me and i'm like no christian we had this conversation <laughs> he's, he's a working actor though he knows <laughs> he, yeah he, he he oh it was very uh, um it was very sweet but no I, t- I told him look no you're 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 here man it's you're not going anywhere i i love
0: his performance on the show i love that you cast him because he was a hugely important actor to me he was in every important movie you know of middle school years into high school oh yeah and then his you know and then in the last few years he's made a move to TV but he's had such terrible luck like he's been in shows that I've enjoyed and they've never worked and so I I can only imagine that he didn't I mean he probably asked you after episode nine because he didn't want to leave like this is (laughs) yeah I I assume he's he's brought a different kind of perspective to the production
1: oh yeah I mean he um, first of all he's the sweetest guy I don't know if you've ever met him he's the nicest guy Um, yeah and you just think I always just think I mean it's Christian Slater from pump up the volume from Heather's from true romance like I, I you know i i don't i guess i don't know what i was thinking when i first met him but the nicest most most grounded guy and he really you know he he kind of came up to me uh at one point um uh after we wrapped and he just said you know this is this is really important to me this is like one of the best experiences i've had in 20 years and and he That's was great. so grateful and he thanked me and i remember like you're thinking you're christian slater i watched yeah. pump up the volume i'm thinking you man i mean come on i mean for me to just even conjure that character from pump up the volume or heathers uh is i mean for me it's like a dream come true i i just it was it was very it, uh, it, it was very humbling to have him be that you know grateful so
0: you know i speak to a lot of showrunners um on this show and and in other capacities and i continue to believe that it is probably the most impossible job that a human being can do um maybe that's not actually brain surgery or something like that um (laughs) because you know you are you are in charge of driving the train and building the tracks at the same time and on top of that you were directing episodes as well you were on set you finished the first season um production wise you know a few weeks ago um, what do you feel you've learned after having gone through this ringer? And what what can you bring to bear then on the second season? Because you certainly hit the ground running. That's what's the most remarkable thing. I mean, this was the first season of your first show, and it was
1: it was exceptional. Thank you. Um, yeah, what did I learn? It's weird. What I learned is is that we're not really making a traditional television show. That the, right. the, 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 kind of the organization and the pattern, and they literally, I think, use that word sometimes to describe it uh in producing television shows is not the way to make a serialized show like that and we are making like and we 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 did that along the way we fine-tuned along the way to sort of fit our way of of telling this story um and we're gonna even uh make uh more changes in the next season um and, and but but having done it our way we still sort of i still very much learned the way uh uh, you know, uh, other television shows got made, and there, you know, it, it's a it's a big it's managerial. Show running is a, yeah. there's a lot of managerial tasks because um, you're that's doing a very different skill from writing and directing. It's a third skill. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I would like to do, and I don't know, you know, again, schedule wise, is to do this more like a film, which is to write, then make the sh- <laughs> make the show, and yeah. then post it. Uh, which is what uh, the schedule of a feature film would look like. But that is not what television show running is like. You are writing and you are shooting and you are editing simultaneously and you are managing those three components mm-hmm. simultaneously. And that is one of the most difficult things to do. And I don't know how you. I mean, like, I, I think about shows, great shows like The West Wing, you know, when they had like 20 plus episodes or whatever. Um, but, you know, but they also had. Tommy Schlamey, you know, Aaron Sorkin, John Wells. I mean, you know, each kind of hand. But, but it's still incredibly difficult. And and, and and Aaron Sorkin was using other types of fuel to get through it, to be honest. So <laughs> Right. Allegedly. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I think he admitted it. He admitted <laughs> it. Oh, he did. We're, okay. we're, we're safe
0: for libel. Also, okay, I think he cool. was arrested for it at the time. But oh, got it. there might not be any other way to write 22 episodes of television. I, I mean, uh, that's and have insane. Them
1: all yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I will say it's something that I don't know. If I'm very good at that. I don't think yeah. I would ever be good at that. I don't think I'd ever be good at running a twenty-two episode show, it's, season. It's, it's not really human. Yeah. Um, what
0: is your schedule now? Do you have a, Do you have a timetable for when you'll be resuming production? When the when you're
1: going to get a room back together, et cetera? I think we're getting, I, think, I think I need to take a break. Um, good, go on vacation. <laughs> I think I need a vacation, and then um, probably after that break, um, we'll we'll start the writers' room up again. Um, finally, have you ever really put electronics in the microwave uh no i haven 't That was all from my tech consultants'm not
0: so they bad. really like I, I would just be afraid that it would start an enormous fire like in a new york city apartment that That was my
1: main fear you know we actually practically did it, and nothing really exciting happened, huh. so we had to I actually so. do a little bit of a fire effect interesting, yeah. Oh, oh! it didn't really it crack did, and. It didn't really do much. It was a little boring. Well, it took almost an hour, but I finally broke
0: news. I, you, <laughs> you, you won't start a cool camera ready fire if no. you put a. Yeah. Um, well, Sam, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to talk to me, and congratulations on a truly terrific season with robot. I hope you'll come back. Tell and, Chris and talk I about say hello. I will. He's jealous to miss this, but he is on the vacation that you deserve. Right. So. <laughs> um, have a great time off, and I hope you'll come back and we can talk about season two sometime Absolutely. Thanks, Andy. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on
1: Podcasts.